What is good, guys and gals? And thanks for tuning in to episode 5 of the Films and Pixels podcast. I'm your host, Afif, and we've got a lot of jam-packed topics for today. I'm going to be talking about more on the Joe Rogan Spotify saga continuing, plus how the CEO of Spotify reacted. Sony just acquired Bungie and why it matters, and Kanto, one of Encanto's songs reached a new milestone. Plus, Apple suing a Ukrainian filmmaker? And rumors of a possible WhatsApp-Google Drive partnership probably changing. So I'll explain more on that in just a moment. But if you have not seen before, if you haven't seen previous episodes before, please do so. If this is your first time, please, I encourage you, subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow all the social media pages that I have. So thank you very much and let's get this going. Okay, guys and gals, for for today's topic, I'm going to be once again updating you all on the whole Joe Rogan Spotify saga that seems to be continuing. Now, before I did mention about Neil Young in episode 5 requesting Spotify to remove his music. Now, it turns out right now he's not the only one. More artists such as Joni Mitchell, India Ari, Graham Nash, and Nils... Lofgren have joined him in solidarity against the streaming company. And again, they're not the only ones against the whole Rogan Spotify issue regarding COVID-19. Even Sharon Stone actually said that the whole vaccine misinformation is risking people's lives with his idiocy. Or um, to rephrase it, that um, while it has been deemed dangerous and unsafe, uh, Sharon Stone was saying that, you know, risking people's lives with this idiocy so yeah he's basically questioning his intelligence now however because of the whole situation that's been ongoing joe rogan did post a social media video via instagram and facebook basically trying to clarify himself himself uh you know mentioning the doctors that he's brought on board apologizing to everyone he's hurt thanking all of those have reached out to him also saying sorry to Spotify for being in this mess he didn't mean for anyone to be you know to just look bad look messy also mentioned about being a Neil Young fan and a story about him as a youngster being a security guard at a Neil Young concert so I mean I think Joe Young or Joe Young Joe Rogan Joe Rogan at the end of the day really like made the effort to rectify himself and you know i just have to give him credit i i know at the end of the day like it may look malicious and heinous but i don't think his character is like that now he did say like you know when he goes on his podcasts they're not his like his topics are not pre-planned so he said i remember he was mentioning that like when he's talking to his guests he literally doesn't know what he wants to talk about so, like, you know, there's all sorts of facts and information with this whole COVID-19 vaccine situation, and it's kind of mixed up. But, I mean, um, you know, did he mean to cause any harm? No, I don't think so. Now, Spotify did update their um, policies regarding content that promotes dangerous, false, or deceptive information. One of the bullet points was saying, denying the existence of AIDS or, or COVID-19. 
encouraging the deliberate contracting of a serious or life-threatening disease or illness, suggesting that consuming bleach can cure various illnesses and diseases. What? Suggesting that wearing a mask will cause the wearer amendment to life-threatening physical harm. Okay, then. Promoting or suggesting that the vaccines are designed to cause death. Why? Okay, I agree with them on this, but why would anyone suggest that vaccines that are slowly but surely helping us get rid of this chaotic problem and really just curb it down would cause death? Come on now. Now, also, some time ago, uh, Spotify CEO did respond in a blog post that I will read in just a moment. Yeah. You've had a lot of questions over the last few days about our platform policies and the lines we have drawn between what is acceptable and what is not. We have had the rules in place for many years, but admittedly, we haven't been transparent around the policies that guide our content more broadly. This, in turn, led to questions around their application to serious issues including COVID-19. Based on the feedback over the last several weeks, it's become clear to me that we have an obligation to do more to provide balance and access to widely accepted information from the medical and scientific communities guiding us through this unprecedented time. Un this unprecedented time, excuse me. These issues are incredibly complex. We've heard you, especially those from the medical and scientific communities, and are taking the following steps. Today we are publishing our long-standing platform rules, which, not to go too much further in it, but like these rules just kind of guiding creators about like, um, you know, not uh, spreading false info or what kind of language can be used. Uh, we are working to add a content advisory to any podcast episode that includes a discussion about COVID-19. This advisory will direct listeners to our dedicated COVID-19 hub, which I've seen there's an actual hub of like uh, coronavirus-related podcasts. We will also begin testing ways to highlight our platform rules and our creator and publisher tools to, to raise awareness around what's acceptable and helpful creators understand and help creators understand their accountability for the content that they post on our platform. So it's just in a way making sure that nothing is being uh, missaid. And you know what? It's a good thing that I think, um, uh, I, for I forgot his name, uh, Daniel Eric or something. So, I mean, I, you know, again, he's doing the right thing. And, you know, I realize they look bad right now. It is unfortunate that their image has taken a bit hit through this PR crisis. But I know that everyone will bounce back. And I know that Joe Rogan, with his good intentions, will try to be more careful from now on. So, I mean, we should just cut him some slack. He's not trying to be a devil's advocate or anything. You know, it's just things missaid or, you know, doctors have said different things otherwise. Let's just take it easy, at least in my opinion. I just... Give him a second chance. All right, guys and gals, major news from Sony. Just two weeks after Microsoft uh, acquired Activision, they came into an agreement with Bungie. Uh, 
Sony just acquired Bungie for $3.6 billion. Now, it's not a splashy acquisition like Microsoft and even that did with Activision and even what Microsoft previously did with Bethesda. But I mean, this is actually pretty significant. So Bungie now will join PlayStation Studios portfolio and their team, but they're going to remain independent. This won't affect anything regarding Destiny 2. More Destiny 2 content will still be multi-platform. It's not going to harm or divide Destiny 2 online community. And, and I think this is actually pretty interesting. Um, I'm gonna, first, the quote from Pete Parsons regarding the whole um, acquisition. Uh, since, since taking flight in 1991, Bungie has always charted the future with our own star map, a path that has driven by our people and for our community. We are continuing that journey with new worlds in development, and we can't wait to share them with you. With SIE, the potential for our universe is unlimited. Our future games will take bold steps into unexpected spaces for Bungie, continuing to push the boundaries of what is possible and will always be built on a foundation of creating meaningful, long-life friendships and memories. We remain in charge of our destiny. I don't know if that was a pun intended, but I guess that's how it goes. We will continue to independently publish and creatively develop our games. We will continue to drive one unified Bungie community. Our games will continue to be where our community is wherever they choose to play. With SIE's support, the most immediate change you will see is an acceleration in hiring talent across this, the entire studio to support our ambitious vision. If this speaks to you and you want to help us uh, put a dent in the universe, we are hiring across all disciplines for Destiny 2 and for all the new worlds beyond. So clearly what's going to happen is that Bungie will stay as they are while having a more creative partnership with Sony and you know what I actually find this kind of interesting because while Microsoft published Activision and then Sony's by buys Bungie there was a time when Bungie had some sort of working relationship with both Activision and Microsoft because Bungie helped Microsoft with the Halo games on the original Xbox and even Xbox 360 the trilogy plus Halo ODST and Halo Reach and then Bungie had a contract with Activision releasing the Destiny games plus the expansion and even Destiny 2 released under Activision supervision. So I think it was in 2019 when they cut off their contract or just separated from them. Destiny 2 then became a free-to-play. Right? So I find this situation interesting. It's almost like Bungie trying to get back at both of them. I don't know, this this whole twist is kind of interesting how Bungie made Halo games for Microsoft and Sony has the original creators of Halo on their side. So, I, I don't know, it's, it's just kind of, you know, full circle. It's kind of ironic how things come in full circle. Now, while Jim Ryan was writing this on a blog post for PlayStation, uh, Herman Holst who's the head of PlayStation Studios, did have this to say. I am absolutely thrilled to announce a new member will be joining the PlayStation family. I've been a huge fan of Bungie for many years. I have admired and enjoyed the games they create and have a great respect for their skill in building worlds that gamers want to explore again and again. 
Bungie makes games with outstanding technology that are enormously fun to play. They have unmatched dedication to the communities that play their games. And everyone at PlayStation and PlayStation Studios will be excited about what we can share and learn from them. I have spent a great deal of time with the senior team at Bungie, and it is clear their experience and skills are highly complementary to our own. We will be ready to welcome and support Bungie as they continue to grow. I cannot wait to see what the future holds for this incredible team. Okay, so recently there was an interview published online on Game Industry Biz from Jim Ryan and Pete Parsons speaking on the article. Part of the reasons I think um, why this whole acquisition partnership happened is so that PlayStation is trying to go a little bit more multi-platform. And we've seen them, we've seen it already with like some recent releases. Like um, I think on God of War, God of War is an example. Horizon Zero Dawn, Death Stranding, Days Gone as like some of their big budget major exclusives on Windows, like Steam and Epic. So I think with um, Bungie involved, since they're good with like MMORPG shooters, I think like they're trying to go more multi-platform live service game service type thing. And plus like maybe it's just uh, another way of allocating resources. I mean, I understand for them it costs a lot of money with these big budget single player exclusives. And I think this is where they've stood out throughout the eighth generation. I mean, other than just the games I've mentioned, like Ghosts of Tsushima, The Last of Us Part Two, as an example, Marvel Spider-Man, Bloodborne, even though that's from a publishing deal with um, from software, from the whole, you know, the same team, Dark Souls, Sekiro, all that, but... I, I think you get the idea because like it is it does cost a lot of money, but they're definitely worth it and it has worked to their favor as well. So it's just another way of, um, you know, broadening their gaming experience, broadening what kind of games they want to continue and how they want to continue the platforms they want to stay releasing on and so forth. So I think this is how Bungie will fit in, plus another development team. Uh, Sony acquired in 2021 Nixus Software that, um, you know, I think also Fire Sprite as well, but a couple of teams that are good with PC ports. So I think that's part of the reason why they were brought in to work on Uncharted Legacy of Thieves uh, PC port as well. So I think it's going to be interesting how everything looks going forward. But with this trend of companies and game publishers being bought and sold and I don't know what, and while Nintendo... I stay out of it. I mean, it's getting a little crazy because speaking of the whole Activision Microsoft situation, the FTC wants to review it just to make sure it's legal. So there, that's another major hurdle for Microsoft. So it's kind of getting crazy. I mean, it's almost like, I don't know, like, um, like one platform's taking these IPs and another platform taking a bunch of IPs. But in the case of Bungie, they're going to stay as they are but with more of a support from Sony going forward. All right, guys and gals, some interesting information out in the world right now. Um, I do want to talk about one of the movies uh, from Disney called Encanto. Now, I'm sure you're already familiar already with the film. Um, You know, one of the major songs uh, really became a breakout hit called we don't talk about Bruno has reached 
a major milestone for Disney for the first time in 29 years. Now, why this matters, I will explain. Now, we already know that when it was released around late November, now it did make $228 million, which really is not much compared to other Disney animated films in recent uh, years. Now, of course, um, you know, it did help at the same time. It was released on Disney Plus on Christmas Eve, so more and more people uh, were able to watch it at home during the holidays, but it didn't exactly have too much of a difference with the box office, so I guess that's kind of different. Now, one of the reasons why uh, one of the songs We Don't Talk About Bruno is popular is because of the audiences at home watching it, and really it became a hit at first in early January, it reached number four on the Billboard charts, tying other Disney songs like Can You Feel the Love Tonight from The Lion King and Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. Now, it has made and reached a major accomplishment. According to Variety, We Don't Talk About Bruno is now number one on the Billboard 100 charts, and it's only the second Disney song to achieve this. Now, the other song that most people will be familiar with, A Whole New World from Ala Adin, released 29 years ago in 1992. So, I mean, somehow, like, even in an era of uh, Let It Go from Frozen, which is, like, really a major hit, a cultural Disney song, I mean, Let It Go reached as high as number five on the Billboard 200 charts, 200, Billboard 100 and um yeah the fact that we don't talk about bruno became more popular and reached higher than let it go is saying something that's kind of unexpected now how all of this happened is because of you know today's music streaming services you know publishing it distributing it being played often plus tiktok you know using the song many people on tiktok using we don't talk about Bruno often, so that has played a role. So, you know, when popular songs that are used on social media or music, music streaming service apps being used worldwide, it does tend to go up and kind of climb up in popularity. But I mean, it's, uh, you know, I really do think it's a major accomplishment in comparison to other classics that have been released in previous decades. I mean, the fact that it reached higher than even songs from Lion King and Frozen is um I think it's really unprecedented you know they you know really the audiences you know, should be given credit and what's even more interesting is that Disney were caught by surprise that even they didn't even submit the song as a possible Oscar winner for best original song I mean so yeah not really sure what to say beyond that, but I mean, it does, uh, it shows a testament to really the power of social media today and the heavy use of TikTok with a lot of these Disney songs. I mean, yeah, pretty good, I suppose. All right, guys and gals, an interesting story has popped up very recently and and yeah, I mean, I'm not sure like how to describe it even further. I mean, so what's basically going on is that Apple, yeah, the same Apple tech giant corporation, have filed a lawsuit against 
Ukrainian filmmaker Vasil Muskalenko for simply using the word Apple in a movie he is directing and distributing. Now the movie is going to be called Apple Man. So it's basically like an action comedy, uh, superhero type film. I mean, there's a trailer and really like it may seem humorous or funny, but really like there's a good idea and a good message behind it. So part of the reason why Apple have filed a lawsuit is simply because they are worried it is associated with approved, endorsed or provided by Apple. Whereas uh, Vasil Muskalenko, now he's he's still a young filmmaker from Ukraine. He has worked in filmmaking already for 12 years. And so this whole project came up in the COVID quarantine time. He's been able to get the money <clears throat> from a Kickstarter campaign and raised up to $12,000 for this film. So, I mean, you got to give him credit uh, making the best of a bad situation. So I already have a synopsis that says Apple Man is an action comedy film about a title character who is a superhero. What separates Apple Man from any superhero movie is its strong social mission. It's the first healthy lifestyle superhero film in the world. We created Apple Man as a very entertaining way to tell people how important and how cool a healthy lifestyle is. We believe this film can save many lives. The film tells a grotesque story of a superhero created by mixing human DNA with the DNA of an apple. Along with his sidekick, Cherry Woman, Apple Man fights supervillain Dr. Burger Man to save the universe. Okay, so yeah. I mean, clearly nothing is... He's done, hey, I'm, ugh, he hasn't done anything wrong. That's what I'm trying to say. He hasn't done anything wrong at all. I mean, there's actually a YouTube video uploaded by Vasil Muskalenko trying to, you know, introducing himself, explain the whole idea, the concept, his filmmaking experiences, um, you know, how none of this at all has meant to even, like, go after or target Apple, the company, not using any of their iPhones, their iPads, their MacBooks, nothing. This is all just simple filmmaking for fun. I mean, you don't see Apple getting mad at beverage companies manufacturing and uh, producing dairy products of apple juices and they're not uh, suing them or going after uh, everyone's mama and their wives just for baking apple pie and apple cake and yeah they're going after a filmmaker for simply having the name apple man in a action comedy superhero film because it could be successful and they're worried that they're they're concerned that he's going to profit a lot by using their name, whereas that's not really the case. It doesn't need a 467-page court document sent to him. But, I mean, like, I think it'll be distributed. I mean, I just hope that it's clear that all good intentions, all parties can... I don't know if they should settle, but maybe just let this go away. Just, just let him do his work. I mean, it's really as simple as that. I mean, this is just really... A good concept, a film meant to promote, in a way, a healthy lifestyle. It's kind of meant to be a humorous, funny, interesting way. Obviously inspired by the whole superhero movie mania going on. And that's it. This is nothing related to Apple or their products at all. 
okay? He wouldn't even ask permission to use any of their iPhones. I mean, he's not even going to film any scenes with the iPhones, which is now a common practice used by other filmmakers like Steven Soderbergh. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, this is kind of strange. Like, I, I think it's much ado about nothing when really, like, all good intentions and really a great social message is involved. All right, guys and gals, for the final topic today, I want to share some information um, according to an article I found, at least uh, from Wabet Info. But I did read this from Android Central website. So basically, there might be some changes regarding how WhatsApp and Google Drive going forward may you know, back up, you know, um, a lot of the private information like chats and so forth. So uh, because WhatsApp was trying to have their own version, it seems like possibly going forward, what used to be like a free service may end up being a paid service. Now, there's like a embedded code that got leaked sometime last year somewhere in the bottom as i'm looking at this picture like it says um settings g drive quota info message backup uh one dollar of your data to google drive so your message and media like photos videos and files will be available if you change your phone two dollars so i mean there's not much to say but it seems like you know it may no longer be a free service at the moment, it's still free. Will it stay that way going forward? Remains to be seen. But I mean, you know, when it's full, you may be charged. So hopefully, like, this sort of policy doesn't go into effect. If you remember, there was controversy and outroar, you know, against WhatsApp because of, I think, some sort of policy. Um, privacy sort of information as i'm trying to say some sort of privacy concerning uh, stories and all that and sharing data with facebook part of the reason why elon musk tweeted uh just go to signal and since then i mean all from a tweet by elon musk so many people since then migrated to signal making it one of the more popular messaging apps right now so uh, i still think whatsapp will stay in power as a go-to instant chat messaging app, but I mean, for their sake, I just hope that any sort of methods of backing up doesn't change because, um, you know, they've always been relied upon, and plus being one of the more apps by Meta, along with Facebook, Messenger, and Instagram, I mean, it won't be a good look for them. And there's already enough antitrust sort of issues regarding, um, you know, accusations of spreading hate and so forth. And like, you know, all the personal data that no one agreed to share being used for advertising and marketing. So, um, you know, I guess we'll just have to see if the policies currently implanted will not change. Guys and gals, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 5 of the Films and Pixels podcast. I appreciate the time. You know, I appreciate you taking time out of your day just to watch this episode and listening through audio streaming services. If you liked what you saw, please subscribe to the channel. 
give a like um you know make sure you comment in the comment section below make sure keep it friendly no no bullying no cyber bullying if you liked what you saw make sure to like and follow the social media pages i will put in the description below and thank you so much for the time you've given it means a lot and you know um again like thank you thank you thank you so much for watching and listening until next time